India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi received a well-reported, almost rock star welcome from Australian Indians this week when he fronted a huge rally in Sydney. But how authentic is the local affection for Modi? At home, he's popular but divisive, especially on religion, because his party pushes a strong Hindu nationalist line. Associate Professor Sukmani Karana is from the Indian diaspora. She's based at the University of New South Wales. I think there is a perception that Modi is quite popular in the Australian diaspora. Um, And if you look at the spectacle at Olympic Park yesterday, a capacity of almost 21,000, nearly full and chartered flights from Melbourne and as well as from parts of Queensland, you would suddenly get the impression that that's the only view there is of Modi in the Indian diaspora. Uh, But if you start digging into, you know, what what else exists out there, there's also now a significant section of the Indian diaspora in Australia that is uh, critical of Modi, not not merely because of what is taking place in India with with regards to religious minorities and certain bills, but also with regards to the division that now exists um, in the Indian diaspora communities as a result of uh, what's happening in India. I saw some references, though, that Indian Australians were calling their attendance at this huge rally uh, Yatra, uh, which seems to be like a pilgrimage. That's a very religious image. Um, Are some people literally making a pilgrimage to see Modi? Um, So another term that you may be familiar with or may have heard of in relation to the people who are ardent Modi followers is Bhaks. And bhaks is in um, a Hindi word, which if you translate it literally in English means um, religious followers. So it does seem that the kind of, uh, you know, following that Modi is commanding in sections of the diaspora and in sections of India is almost that of someone who's like a Bollywood superstar or a religious leader. And it's certainly not, uh, you know, the vast majority of people. So such people also perhaps being less inclined to hold him to account um, as the democratically elected leader of a country. So There seemed to be, from a lot of the commentary, people who were interviewed, regular Indian Australians, just a sense that Modi is the man who has delivered an international preeminence to India. Um, and this is why they're drawn to him. I think that's actually um, an important point and something that uh, does need to be considered by people on both sides of politics, um, uh, including the people who are critical of Modi and critical of his government's human rights record. A section of Modi's followers, both in India and the diaspora, uh, may not be uh, hardcore Hindutva followers or may not have close associations with the RSS and the VHP, which are organizations that are proponents of Hindutva. But there is the sense that he he has been assertive on an international change. He's changed the image of India, especially amongst Western countries, that India has taken more seriously in the last decade as a result of all the international diplomacy that Modi has conducted as well as uh, coupled with that India's growing economy mm. and therefore Indians abroad been being taken more seriously but whether that's actually the case or not you know there is I don't think any objective assessment of that but emotionally that's how uh, a lot of people a lot of Indians abroad feel about Modi. 
Sukmani, what would account for this small but seemingly appreciative group of Indian Australian Muslims who were at the Modi rally? In fact, um, before the rally started, uh, they took some time out to pray quite prominently. Well, I think you'd have to speak to them to kind of understand uh, what it is that, you know, what it is that they had in mind. And perhaps it is the case that they want to make their presence known. And it's largely about India-Australia relations and they see themselves as part of India, not merely as, you know, their the Muslim identity as being the only kind of distinguishing factor about them. So I think it, you'd have to speak to them to try and understand. But there have also been Indian Muslim associations uh, that have been critical of the policies as well as other minorities. I think there's a range of views even amongst those minority groups uh, in his speech, I noticed that uh, Prime Minister Modi mentioned yoga. He said that yoga was now something that uh, Australians have in common with Indians. And of course, thousands of Australians, hundreds of thousands of Australians, Indian and, and non-Indian, do practice yoga. But does this overt mention of yoga have another meaning? I think there's a there's a few kind of common symbols which are translatable across cultural contexts that um that were mentioned by Modi and that are regularly regularly used by political leaders at that level to draw upon the connections between the countries. Cricket is one of them, um, which is common between India and Australia. Increasingly, food is something that a lot of Australians recognise. Um, you know, uh, although it's often reduced to curry, which has its own problems. Uh, but recently, yoga has also emerged as something that you know a lot of Australians identify with, and I'm talking about Australians more broadly, not just Indian Australians. Having said that, I think yoga has had an interesting kind of contemporary history in India, where it, it may not have been popular about 30 or 40 years ago, has had a bit of a resurgence since the West started recognizing it as a form of meditation, as a form of exercise, sometimes making the connection to India, sometimes culturally appropriating. But I think more recently, a lot of the yoga that is being practiced by Modi and some religious leaders um, has had connotations of exclusively being associated with a certain practice of Hinduism, whereas yoga might also be practiced in other religious uh, cultures like in Buddhism. So I would say that, you know, the kind of yoga that Modi was referring to may or may not be the kind of yoga that is understood more broadly by um, Australian society. Just finally, a, a, as we wind up, Sukmani, does Indian nationalism take a different form in the diaspora than it does back in India? That's a great question, Andrew. So if we start looking at the sorts of organisations that I mentioned earlier, like VHP, which is the Vishwa Hindu Parishad, which in the Indian context is quite explicitly associated with Hindu nationalism. But what you see in the diaspora is what you might call soft Hindutva. Um, so the VHP doesn't identify itself as such, but it might fund, you know, a body like the Hindu Council, which in turn um, organizes many cultural and religious festivals in the Indian diaspora. So many thousands of people who go to the festivals organized by the Hindu Council may not even recognize its association with the VHP. Uh, a lot of people in the diaspora merely see attendance of these festivals as maintaining their links to the homeland and may not be appreciative of where the funding or the links are really coming from. And, and, and in turn, you know, the way multiculturalism is organized in Australian society, many political parties and other kinds of groups fund the kind of 
multiculturalism that appreciates this cultural maintenance, that is approving of this cultural maintenance uh, without realizing, you know, what is going on underneath. To give you another example, the group that organized the rally yesterday, it, I think it's called an um, Indian Diaspora Foundation or something along those lines, which uh, seemingly sounds like an apolitical group. But the two people heading it are actually whole leadership positions in the Australian branch of the BJP, which is the party that Modi belongs to. Associate Professor Sukhmani Karana, she's with the University of New South Wales and she is a scholar of Indian diasporas around the world. Sukhmani, thanks for being on the Religion and Ethics Report. Thank you for having me, Andrew. That's it from me. Find us using the search function at the ABC Listen app. We're in the Society and Culture section or look for us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Amanda Roberts and Sean Doyle. I'm Andrew West. Join us again for the Religion and Ethics Report. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.